You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Buffalo Bills defeated the Green Bay Packers 27-17 on Sunday Night Football, but the game was never really as close as the scoreboard suggests, and now it's time for my Buffalo Blues. Oh, hello. What's going on, Bills Mafia? It's me, your host, Nick Scheist. We are back on another Victory Monday, and boy does it feel good. The Bills handled business on Sunday Night Football, coming out of their bye week, and they won by double digits against the Packers. And this was an interesting lead-up to this game, because the Bills had been on bye, the Packers had lost two in a row, and there were a lot of Bills fan accounts on social media talking about, don't underestimate Aaron Rodgers, don't sleep on Aaron Rodgers, yada yada... And, I mean, if you've listened to any of my shows over the years or any of my guest spots on other shows, I'm not a big fan of Aaron Rodgers, but I do respect what he's done in football, and he's obviously capable of success. But at this point in this season, I just haven't seen anything to worry about. And, you know, I took the Bills to win. I took the Bills to cover 11, and they won by 10 because they took their foot off the gas a little bit in the second half, and... We're working some things out, ironing out some details, but I was never worried about Green Bay winning this game. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't coming from a place of disrespect. Just it was coming from a place of what I've seen. And from what I've seen, the Packers are not a good football team right now. And the only way that they were going to beat Buffalo is if Buffalo somehow imploded. But I think what we saw in this game was that the Bills could play a half of football and still win by double digits against a guy who's going to end up in the Hall of Fame at some point. So it's a weird place to be where the Bills are beating the Packers on Sunday Night Football and doing so in dominant fashion. And a lot of the chatter after the game was still that the Bills didn't play well enough. And, you know, in the second half, it was a little sleepy there. Um, I can't lie. They only scored three points after the break, but they were also in total control of the football game, so they didn't need to score anymore, and ultimately that 27-17 score looks much closer than the game actually was, so if you were to look at it um, from the outside looking in or to just glance at the box score having not watched the game, you think maybe it was competitive, but realistically it wasn't competitive. Um, the Bills dominated basically from bell to bell. They gave up a late garbage time touchdown that took it from 27-10 to 27-17. And they blew the cover on that, so that wasn't ideal. But if you had the Bills at minus 10, I think you got a push out of it. So still, I, I'm totally comfortable with that. And interestingly enough, in the very beginning of this game, the Bills came out and went three and out right away. And the first thing I noticed was that the uh, the coverage by Green Bay was very good. 
and Jair Alexander was all over Davis early in the game, and I was curious why, because him and Diggs were chirping at each other before the game even started, so I kind of expected him to be guarding Diggs for the majority of the game, but that really wasn't the case. But he did take Davis uh, effectively out of the game for the most part, and, you know, the Bills came out trying to throw it right away rather than just, you know, establishing the run game, which they did later and worked very well for them. But regardless, you know, Green Bay got the ball. They got into Buffalo territory on their first drive. But facing, I think it was like a 55, 56-yard field goal, they decided to go for it on fourth and three. And I don't disagree with that, but it tells you very early in that game that points are going to be at a premium and that Green Bay had no confidence in punting or kicking a field goal from that distance and that they needed to go for it on their first drive of the game in order to have a chance. And that actually says a lot about what the Packers and their coaching staff felt about the Bills. But the Bills defense, pretty good, got that fourth down stop and then the Bills went to work and they got that touchdown. So uh, Devin Singletary got involved very quickly, very early in this game, picked up gains of 5, 17, uh, picked up a yard. They had to call a weird timeout. I still don't know what that was for, but regardless, everything was still going okay. They ran a weird uh, McKenzie run from shotgun that lost yardage, and then Allen scrambled to pick up the first down to keep the drive alive, but they're already in field goal range at that point, thanks to some big runs by Motor, and... I was hoping that they would find a way to get Motor this touchdown here um, at the one-yard line after that uh, Josh Allen run, which was a fantastic scramble. He almost scored on it, took a big hit on the play, but got up laughing like the maniac that he is, and that gave him a first and goal at the one, and I was you know, hoping that they were going to find a way to get Singletary this touchdown. They gave him the ball. He ran it for no gain. So again, it's another instance of when the Bills line up and play straight ahead power football from short distance and the defense knows they're going to run they struggle to get gains out of it and it is frustrating but they use their second and one to create a little motion create a little movement get Allen uh, out on the edge and I think it was a play action design and as he's rolling left you know he's in between taking off and running for that touchdown and throwing it and as the defenders kind of come up to they're forced to guard him because otherwise he's just gonna score the touchdown there and as they come up it's kind of unfair he just like throws a little like floating dart to Dawson Knox who's then wide open as the linebackers have to move to guard Allen and protect the goal line and it's like seriously what are you gonna do against that if, if he's allowed to get to the edge in space and you're gonna have to guard him one-on-one uh, -on -one with the goal line right there Green Bay didn't really have a choice, and it was a great job uh, from Ken Dorsey to compromise their defense in that way, and to not wait to like third down to get in that situation or fourth down and get in, in that situation. They ran it on the first down. They didn't get it. They said, all right, we're going to go to something that we think we can score on right now. And me, selfishly, wanting to see Devin Singletary score touchdowns and, you know, uh, shamelessly playing him in fantasy football and just hoping for that. But regardless, I still believe he's the running back one, and I want to see him score some touchdowns, you know? He he works hard. He gets the team down the field. He, he got most of the yardage on that drive, and I just want to see him get rewarded by ending up in the end zone. So it's selfish on my part, but regardless, the result of that drive was great. Bills go up 7-zip. And then I think the Packers went three and out after that. So, you know, they couldn't really throw 
Uh, the Bills' defense was just too good. And the Bills get the ball back uh, three plays later. And the Packers had just watched them march down the field and score pretty much, you know, uh, at will. And after the punt, the Bills take over at midfield. So they're basically a play or two away from field goal range at that point. And Allen got sacked on the first play of that drive for no yards. And uh, so they immediately go back to the run. Singletary picks up 16. And so now they're definitely in field goal range. And then from the 35, uh, they caught a break over the middle as Diggs caught the ball. And he was looking to go down just to avoid contact. And uh, was it Quinton? What the hell is this kid's name? Walker? The guy who got ejected. He ends up punching the ball out. And Diggs manages to fall on it and somehow recover it. Quay Walker. Um, made a made a really nice play to punch the ball out there. I think he just saw that Diggs was giving himself up and went right after the ball, punched it out, and you know almost made a big play there. And I mean, technically, it was a big play. It just didn't end up being the turnover that they were hoping for. And on the next play, they go right back to Diggs, who gets a one-on-one, beats the coverage on the outside, and Allen flings in a, a beautiful pass in there, right into the bread basket. And Diggs takes that bread and he puts it on the table and scores that touchdown. And it's 14 zip. So all of a sudden, you know, this game could get out of hand very, very quickly if you're the Packers. And to their credit, they responded okay. Um, They did exactly what they had to do in that situation. They found a drive that worked for them. And besides the early uh, coverage that I saw that was really tight, they played great coverage, they have good secondary. They ran the ball really well, and I don't know if the idea of their game plan was to play power football and run, but I was kind of thinking before the game, like, you know, if the Packers want to win this game, they've got to keep the ball out of Josh's hands as much as possible. The best way to do that is to run the football with consistency, and, you know, Maybe it's something they wanted to do more on the first drive. Maybe it's something they wanted to do more on the second drive, but the second drive ended so quickly. I think once the touchdown happened, they felt the pressure to throw. And they threw three state times and went three and out on that drive. So then, you know, they're down 14 nothing, and it's hard to to stay committed to the run game when you're down 14 nothing. And to their credit, they did. They stayed committed to the run game, and they actually had a fantastic game running the ball. But playing from behind, it was tough to tell whether or not they wanted to keep it as close as mathematically possible on the scoreboard by implementing that game plan of control and power, or if they were trying to draw the Bills out of playing nickel so that they could throw the ball a little bit more effectively. And I I don't know because they didn't really throw the ball that effectively. They did have some good moments, um, but they really had a lot of success on the ground, and it kind of looked like a lot of those games last year where the Bills got run all over. And it reminded me actually of, I think it was the regular season Chiefs game two years ago, where the Bills strategy was basically let them run the football and we're not gonna let Mahomes beat us. And what ended up happening in that game is the Bills lost that game. The Chiefs ran for like 200 yards on the ground in that game. And they were able to control everything because they really couldn't slow down Mahomes as much as they had hoped. But it was a similar approach, I think, from Leslie Frazier where if they wanted to, you know, 
ground and pound with Dylan and Aaron Jones. I think the Bills were content to let them do that and stop it as best they could with their nickel package, but they had no interest in coming out and really shutting down the run game. And we've seen that this Bills defense is actually capable of doing it when they're committed to it. Um, they did it against Tennessee. They really stuffed Derrick Henry pretty well in that because that was a game where they knew that if Henry gets rolling, that's where Tennessee is going to get their juice from. And I think in this game, they just kind of knew that the thing that they really wanted to focus on was making sure that Aaron Rodgers didn't beat them. And so it was kind of like a tale of two philosophies going at it. But anyway, Green Bay ran the ball very successfully on that drive. They also mixed in a lot of short yardage passes and screenplays to kind of supplement the run. And they had a good drive. And then Romeo Dobbs caught an amazing ball on this drive. And it was a good sign if you're a Packers fan to see him go up and make that kind of play. He high pointed it against great coverage. Uh, he managed to secure the catch like while his arm was still being compromised on the way down. Fantastic catch. Take no credit away from them at all. It was a great throw by Rodgers. They got to the Bills 20-ish, 19, uh, when they made that play. And it was just a good, quick, timed route. Well-thrown ball. Great play by the receiver to go up and get it and then get his feet down and hang on to the ball. So, you know, credit to the Packers. They did exactly what they wanted to on that drive. They cut the lead to seven. So, you know, there was some life for them. And then they go back to the bench and they give the ball right back to the Bills and the Bills don't like seeing that. So they come out and they get right back to work. And, you know, Allen finds Knox right away. Then you see a little bit of uh, James Cook as well. So there was a lot of Cook later in this game, but he comes in in this drive. So after a really good opening couple of drives for Singletary, the Bills, you know, they feel confident, even though it's only a seven-point game. They're obviously not feeling threatened because they're moving off of their first running back to their second running back, and he picks up gains of 17 and 4 and 7. And on this play, uh, it was a second and six at the 50, where Cook gets tackled by Quay Walker out of bounds. Walker kind of takes him into the Bills bench, one of the Bills' sideline guys. I don't know if it was a coach or something, but... One of their sideline guys kind of like reaches down to help him up or to just like protect his legs. It looked like he was just trying to like grab him and like just give him a hand back up. He wasn't shoving him. He wasn't punching him, anything like that. And Walker turns around and shoves that player. And then uh, Coach McDermott kind of grabs his arm from behind that. It doesn't really like grab his arm, but he kind of like bear hugs him a little bit to just be like, hey, what are you doing? And then Walker kind of throws like a back elbow, a, a get off me kind of a a swim move of the arm and he gets hit with uh, a penalty at first and they enforce the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty but as I'm watching it I'm really curious like what happened he shoved the coach you can't let a player just go to the sideline and shove a coach like that should be a play where he is getting ejected and the refs get back together and they had a little bit of a hot, hot mic situation where you hear them discussing hey he shove the coach that's going to be an ejection at this point he does end up getting disqualified there so you know rookie linebacker and that's a big loss for green bay early in that game when they had finally like cut the lead and gotten some momentum back i mean it was a first down either way into green bay territory there but that 15 yarder was brutal 
And you could see Walker go to the sideline and Lafleur is yelling at him like they always get the second guy or you can't retaliate or something like that. And it wasn't even a moment of retaliation. The Bills coach didn't do anything wrong. I've seen some people saying like, oh, he touched him. It's like he's crashing into their bench. He's just reaching down. Like he's not he's not shoving him to the ground. He's not stepping on him. This Bills coach did nothing wrong. And even you can see when he gets shoved, he's like, what the hell was that about? And then, you know, when he throws the, uh, when Walker kind of throws like this get off me swim move to McDermott, that I can understand because he doesn't know that it's Sean McDermott. He doesn't know what's happening behind him. He just knows that a guy that's most likely not his teammate is grabbing him because obviously if it was a guy in his team, he would probably be talking to him. But that one I kind of understand, and it's like it wasn't aggressive in the way that the push was. Like, he got up from the ground and just shoved the coach. So when he's just like, get off me and someone's behind him, I think they could have probably let that one go, but it was the shove on the other guy that resulted in the ejection. I think it was the right call. Green Bay fans obviously going to be pissed about that, but Green Bay fans are not used to having a team that's 3-5 and five and losing a bunch of games, and so... There is some implosion going on from a certain percentage of the fan base, and not everybody, of course. But I think when you see that, if you're a Packers fan and you kind of see what's happening in this game, you obviously think it's bad, right? And some of the excuses that I've seen are just terrible. So it was the right call. You can't shove a coach on the sideline. It's just you can't do it. So he gets tossed out of the game. Bills come down next series, and... Or not the next series, but the next play. They start at the 28. Allen finds Diggs. He finds McKenzie for eight. He picks up a run of his own, and they're down to the seven, and second and four. And they run a kind of like a sweep handoff play to Isaiah McKenzie, who is coming from Allen's right to left. He is behind the line of scrimmage at one point, and it looks like the play is kind of dead. And he squares up the defender, throws like a stutter step move at him. And it's interesting that the move froze the defender, whereas if he just stayed in pursuit and either forced McKenzie back inside or forced him to try to avoid the tackle, it may have actually prevented the touchdown. But he broke him down with a a stutter move and then hit the Jets and accelerated full speed once he actually like made the defender stall for a second. And then he had the touchdown. It was a great play. It's, It's what Isaiah McKenzie is really great at in space it's his kind of quickness and lateral movement that makes him such a dynamic threat and you know him getting involved in those kind of plays is really nice to see uh it's glad to see him feeling better from the concussion and having a nice moment of redemption there after a tough week last week or two weeks ago i should say uh and i mean at that point it's 21-7 and realistically I mean, the game was kind of over at that point. It's, you know, it's mean to say to the Packers, but it was dominant. The Bills were scoring really easily and really quickly, and the Bills' defense was dominating the Packers' offense as well, aside from one drive. And the Packers end up getting the ball back. They go four plays and punting again. Rodgers gets sacked by Russo on that drive. So... I think when they saw it was 21-17, they're like, man, we really have to start throwing the ball again here. And they went no huddle, and he was incomplete to Tanyan, and sorry, Tanyan, and then they tried to throw again, which resulted in the sack. And the reason I said the game was basically over is because it's third and 16 at their own 26, and the Packers decide to hand the ball off to Aaron Jones. 
Now, there's always an outside chance that you can run the ball 16 yards on third down and convert. But, you know, if this is third and five or third and six instead of third and 16, I could totally see it. And they're trying to catch the Bills sleeping. You know, they get the defense backed off and they're just going to try and hand something underneath and get as much as they can and maybe put themselves in a better fourth down situation. But realistically, even if it was fourth and one, like they're still at midfield and there's a minute left. So if they don't get it there, you're going to give the Bills an awesome chance to score on you again. So I don't think there was really fourth down territory for them. And just the mentality to come out and not only tell your players and your team, but your fan base that, hey, it's third and 16. We're not even going to throw this ball. We're not even going to really try to convert this first down here. We just are going to get what we can get and punt it and see if we can get out of the half with it still being 21 to 7. And you know what? You gave Josh Allen a minute, uh, 53 seconds, and they started their own 20, so they got 80 yards to go. And they didn't quite get all 80. They got uh, they flipped the field and got down to the Green Bay 24, and Allen was incomplete on a pass to uh, Khalil Shakir in the end zone. It was an interesting play where they tried to get him to elevate and high point that ball again in the back of the end zone. So I like the faith in the kid, and I like them taking a shot there, but ultimately they didn't get it, and then with three seconds left, they called timeout, or excuse me, Green Bay called timeout, and the Bills uh, kicked a field goal from the 24 to make it 24-7. So that passiveness by Green Bay to not even try to convert the first down it just said that they had no faith that they could do it. And that was the concerning thing. And, you know, it was 24-7 going into the half. And one of the things I noticed coming out of the half was they talked to Matt LaFleur, one of the sideline reporters, I don't remember who it was, interviewed him after the half and asked him kind of like what they have to do. And his answer was very much of a coach who knew that his team was going to lose the game, but wanted to see what his team was made of and he challenged them to not quit on the game and it reminded me a lot of the Bills game against the Bucks last year when they were down bad at the half and they had to go into the locker room and do some soul searching and that second half they played in Tampa was actually the moment in that season where I think they really gelled as a team and they knew who they were and they knew how they wanted to play and they never looked back, and they didn't lose the whole rest of the season up until the playoff loss, of course, but they they went on a winning streak to close out the regular season after that game against Tampa, and so if you're a Packers fan, I think there is something to take away from the second half in this game, because your team did show fight, you finally had some signs of life from your receiving core, um, but, you know, they only cut the lead to 14 to start the second half so they came out and they had a nice drive they they got the field goal and so mathematically they're down 14 it's still technically possible and then the bills come out and engineer a pretty good drive from their 30 down to the packers 19 and bass adds on a field goal so it's back to 17 it's a three score game at that point the third quarter is winding down and the moment that the game is really like officially out of reach probably comes on this next Packers drive, because they're down 17, but they're still playing like it's a one-score game. And so they're really taking a lot of time off the clock. And in their defense, they didn't have much of an option. The Bills' defense, uh, when the Packers wanted to pass, was collapsing the pocket on him all, all night long. 
and they didn't have a ton of sacks overall. They only had two, but the pressure was there, and Rodgers had a quarterback rating of 20.4, and he was 19 of 30 for 203. He ends up getting a touchdown a little bit later in the game with two touchdowns and a pick, and just comparatively, Allen was 13 of 25 for 218 with two touchdowns and two picks, but his quarterback rating was 83.6. So four times what Aaron Rodgers' quarterback rating was in this game. And this is total QBR, I think, not standard quarterback rating, by the way. But I don't know. I'm just looking at what's on the page. So that just says a lot about like the difference in how the two quarterbacks were playing. I wouldn't even say it was like a terrible game for Rodgers. Like he did pretty well considering what he was going up against. And that's why I think if you're a Packers fan, there's probably a lot of good things to end up taking away from this game. They didn't quit. They tried to be competitive and, you know, they ended up at least getting it to 10 and they covered the spread. So that's a moral victory. But they philosophically didn't have any answer to the Bills being able to just score on them basically whenever they wanted. And this drive where they turned the ball over on downs at the end of the third quarter, they got the ball with like six minutes left in the third quarter. They take seven minutes off the clock on this drive, and it's Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Dylan, 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 Jones. Rodgers has one pass for no gain, and then he finds Tunyon for three yards, and then it's Aaron Jones for six to make it a fourth and one. And... As I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, like, this is a bend-don't-break kind of a defensive game for the Bills. Like, they're willing to let Green Bay run, going back to the point I made earlier. Like, the Bills are unwilling to break out of their nickel package here. So, they're just going to bend and not break. And, of course, Green Bay gets to a fourth and one at the 26. They're down 17. The field goal doesn't really help them. The fourth quarter started. They go for it. Bills read it. Aaron Jones gets stopped for a loss. Turnover on downs. And so that really right there was like the nail in the coffin that ended it. Because, you know, now they're down three scores still in the fourth quarter against a team that's been able to score on them whenever they wanted. And, you know, they got a little bit of life back because the Bills wanted to treat what was left of this game a little bit like a preseason game. They were clearly working on some stuff. And, you know, they didn't fear the Packers. They were in complete control of this game. And they played a little bit cavalier, and I could see why some fans were upset about that. But realistically, I have to look at the game as, did what the Bills wanted to do affect the outcome of the game? Mm, No. So, do I want to see them create bad habits? Also, no. And it was the kind of throws where uh, Allen's running to his right and throwing back across his body to the middle of the field. And he got picked trying to go to, I think it was Davis on a third and nine from their own 33. He's rolling to his right. He's trying to force something back over the middle. And uh, Roswell Douglas picks him off. Really good play. But just again, like a measure of like how good the coverage was all night long from Green Bay. And like the Bills were running the ball on them whenever they wanted to. And so them deciding to throw was... You know, what I called it was, it's a lesson in not playing with your food. And Allen was 13 of 25, so barely above 50% completion rate. And he had this bad interception. And then the following play, Matt Milano on a a tip ball at the line of scrimmage, picks off 
Aaron Rodgers, so it doesn't look like it's going to be all that big of a deal. The Bills take over at midfield. They drive it all the way down to the Green Bay 3, and then basically the exact same thing happens again. Allen rolls to his right, tries to throw back to the middle of the field to Davis, and this time it's Jair Alexander who makes the pick, uh, and they're at they're inside the one-yard line, or I think they may have gotten the touchback on it. No, they're at the five at that point. So both of those were bad plays by Allen, which he acknowledged after the game. He said, I made some stupid decisions, uh, and he's got to be better about that. So one of the things that I always really liked about Josh as a player is that he's very critical of himself, and he's got good self-evaluation tools because there's a lot of other quarterbacks who I won't name, who get paid a lot of money, who are high profile, who are going to end up in the Hall of Fame, who also played in this football game, who point the finger at everybody else on the team. Josh ain't that guy. Josh always points the finger at himself first, at least when addressing the media. I don't know what happens behind closed doors. He could be a different kind of leader when the cameras are not on and when we're not watching. But the kind of guy he is publicly is always, I need to be better not somebody else has to be better. So that's the difference between number 17 and the guy on the other side of the field. So I think that's why players rally around him, why people rally around him, and just why things are the way they are right now on both sides of that equation. And, you know, uh, Green Bay scores their touchdown off of that. And there's 10 minutes left in the game, but again, it's the 17 point game with 10 minutes left. Like, you're borderline unwinnable at this point under the best circumstances for the Packers. If this was the Packers of old with Devontae Adams, maybe they have a shot at coming back in this game down 17 with 10 minutes left, but it's still a tall ask even for that team. And so they managed to find a play from the 37, and Aaron Rodgers finds uh, Samori Toure for the 37-yarder, and Crosby hits the field goal. So, 10-point game, but that drive took up, like, four minutes. So now they have to... They're in a position where they're down 10, and there's about six and a half minutes left, but what are they going to do? Are they going to try an onside kick with six and a half minutes left and let it get right back to a unwinnable game for them? Or are they going to kick it deep and try and play the numbers as best they can? So they kick it deep, of course, but that gives the Bills the opportunity to just take time off. So they didn't really have a choice. And that's why I said like the game was over already a few series before this. Singletary comes back in the game late here on this drive. Has a nice run. They pick up one, two, three, four first downs. And then Green Bay uses their final timeout with about three and a half minutes left in the game. And then we get a little cook run. Uh, little ineligible downfield penalty that was declined. So the clock does stop. And then, uh, then the punt with about two and a half minutes left. But two and a half minutes, 10-point game, still not really winnable. Green Bay manages to get into long field goal range uh, right about the distance where they went for it on fourth down last time. And again, they're playing like that weird numbers game where we need two scores. We'll take the field goal now and try and get the onside kick and win with a touchdown later. Uh, but Crosby misses the field goal. And the Bills get the ball back, take the knee, and it's over at that point. So, really, never a game that I thought was competitive. And, you know, if you're on the other side of the equation, you maybe thought that it was, or you thought that the game was winnable, and there's optimism there, and I respect that. And, you know, you got a really nice 
YPC clip from Dylan and from Jones. And those guys are going to have to really be involved a lot. You know, Aaron Jones had four catches for 14 yards, but he wasn't really a threat as a receiver. Uh, Tunyon had five for 35, which is not too bad. But, you know, in the long run, very one-dimensional. And if you're going to be one-dimensional, as the Bills know very well, like, it's tough to be one-dimensional and win football games. Like, if the Packers' defense was able to stop the Bills, maybe that running style would have had a chance. But, you know, it's a little disheartening for... Uh, Green Bay fans to see them not go for it on that third and 16 but it is what it is I really like the game that Devin Singletary had moving on uh, he had 14 for 67 I would have liked to see him more late in the game but I understand they want to get Cook involved they want to give him some carries where it's meaningful to make sure that they can trust him and if Zach Moss is not going to be in the lineup anymore and they're going to go with these two guys these are the snaps they kind of need to have and so I do understand, and I was, you know, in a group chat after the game in a Twitter space, and what I was saying is, like, they treated it like a preseason game at the end. They didn't pull all their starters, but they were they were ironing out some kinks from some stuff that they wanted to do, and, you know, I wish one of those kinks would have been getting Singletary a touchdown <laughs> uh, instead of maybe throwing that interception in the end zone. Uh, I would have liked to see Singletary get some power football opportunities there to see if he can push the pile a little bit. He almost got one in on that third and one or that second. No, I think it was first and one after Allen converted that big run earlier in the game. He got stood up, but he never went down really until the end. So the pile just couldn't quite push him. They couldn't quite get there, but it's going to happen eventually. Um, Dig still had a good game, does what he always does, had six for 108 and a touchdown and kind of a sleepy performance for him. Had a 53-yarder, though, in the game as well, which was a big one. Uh, DeMar Hamlin, he definitely deserves some attention because he ended up with uh, 10 tackles, four solo tackles. And I think most importantly was that a couple games ago against the Chiefs, he struggled. He missed a lot of tackles and gave up some huge plays. And he's going to be the starting safety opposite uh, Poyer while Micah Hyde is out he's going to have to play better. And so I really like that he took those couple of weeks to examine like some of the things he was doing wrong. And he was coming up early in this game and playing downhill and making big tackles early in the game, made his presence felt a uh, huge bounce back game from him. Really loved what I saw out of it. Uh, it remains to be seen if he's going to end up being like great in coverage. Cause I think the Toure touchdown was uh, behind him. So he's going to have to work on the coverage. He's obviously not Micah Hyde, but uh, a lot of improvement from the last time I saw him on the field. Really, really like seeing that. Uh, Greg Rousseau ended up with a sack. Tim Settle ended up with a sack. Jordan Phillips was out here fucking laying the hammer on some guys. Pardon my F-bomb there. I don't usually swear too much on this show, but Jordan Phillips was lower in the boom on a couple of guys running out uh, sideline to sideline. Really nice to see him back out there and playing well. One of the early things I noticed was Von Miller went right after David Bakhtiari early in this game, and he didn't really, like, I wouldn't say he won because he didn't end up with a sack, and the Bills and didn't end up getting a sack until a little bit later, but Von Miller has said in the past that what he likes to do is to find the guy who's, like, the guy on the other team, and he's going to go at that guy head-to-head -to, -head to let him know early that he's going to be there. But another guy who had himself a hell of a game was 
Tremaine Edmonds. He had 16 total tackles and 13 solo tackles. So, obviously, when you're going to run the ball a lot, that middle linebacker position is going to be key. And even though they gave up, you know, 200 rushing yards, no, excuse me, 208 rushing yards as a team, you know, I think they played fairly well. Edmonds didn't have any tackles for loss, but as a team, the Bills ended up with four tackles for loss, six pass defended. So really overall pretty good. Uh, Matt Milano played himself a great game too. And while I'm talking about him, there is the tackle on A.J. Dillon that, of course, if you're a Packers fan, you hate to see that. Uh, Dillon came up looking injured, but ultimately came back into the game and played just fine after that. So when that tackle happened, there was kind of a uproar from certain people on social media talking about this is a tackle that needs to be banned from football and I don't agree with that I don't think it was dirty but I think the nature of how tackling has changed makes this kind of like an inherently dangerous type of tackle and you got Matt Milano who's trying to take down Dylan they're about the same size Dylan might even be heavier but Dylan throws out a stiff arm. Milano is grabbing him up around the shoulders. Let's go of the shoulders, but maintains control of the arm and then uses his body weight as leverage to bring the guy down to the ground. So to me, this is a leverage play. If you're going to try and stiff arm the defender and you're having your hand out, then the defender is well within their rights to use your arm as leverage to bring you down. If you can stiff arm the guy in the face to knock him down and continue running, he can grab your arm. So it's a weird play because it's almost like a horse collar tackle. So it is something that the NFL should probably look at because his arm, well, Milano's hands are up around like the shoulders and nameplate area, but he lets go knowing that he doesn't want to get the horse collar tackle. But then he's just basically like going into dead weight to pull Dylan to the ground. But in the position that he's in, he's going to fold Dylan's body weight back on his own leg, and he's going to land on his leg on top of it. So in the heat of the moment when all these things are happening, like I think that's way too much of a calculation to be like, oh, Matt Milano's out here, and he's trying to intentionally do this and then perfectly swing his body weight so he lands on his leg right here and breaks his leg, and Milano's dirty because he pushed Tua earlier in the season, and Tua fell back and hit his head, and, you know... If you're a fan of the opposing team, you probably look at Milano like he's a dirty player, but the instances of plays that I've seen cited as evidence that he's a dirty player don't look dirty to me. This play to me was not a dirty play. It's an unfortunate one, and maybe the NFL does want to look into not using that kind of leverage, but what's he supposed to do? Is he supposed to just get stiff-armed in the face and go away, or is he supposed to try and bring the tackle down? Uh... He can, go, he can try to go low on the legs of a big, powerful running back, but again, stiff arms in the way. His job is to bring the guy down. The game is already being changed a lot to benefit the offense, and if you're going to take the ability of a defensive player to use their weight as leverage to make a tackle, then I don't know. I mean... At what point do you just draw the line so you can't tackle anymore? We're playing two-hand touch or we're going to play flag football, which, hey, you know what? I don't hate flag football. So, But realistically, 
if the goal is to get the guy to the ground, you're going to have to institute types of tackles that are legal and just teach that. I mean, I understand the horse collar thing. You're up inside the, the shoulder pads. You can't tackle with the face mask. So there are obviously rules in place, but this is not in that same realm, I wouldn't say. So, I mean, it's something for the competition committee to look at. I don't think it was a dirty play, but obviously a lot of other people do think it was a dirty play, but whatever. Dylan came back into the game, played, played well, actually, after that. So if you're going to use that as an example of this play should be illegal because it's so dangerous, that's a terrible example because the guy didn't you know, suffer any catastrophic injury, and he returned to the game and averaged five and a half yards a carry. So I'm sure he's going to be sore. It looks a little awkward when it's happening, but if you were going to try to allow, or excuse me, if you're going to try to disallow that tackle and make it illegal, you're going to need better evidence than a guy who didn't get injured and then returned to the game and played well. You know, I think I've talked enough. It's been about 40 minutes. I like getting it in under an hour now as best I can. Sometimes I ramble, but this wasn't a game that I felt like I needed to diagnose everything because, like I said, it really wasn't all that competitive. Bills dominated. They could have looked better in the second half. They could have approached the second half a little different philosophically. They were trying to throw when I felt that they probably should have just been trying to run and end the game, get the win, get out of there. Uh, but they did end up running the ball 27 times as a team, five of those from Cook, 14 from Singletary. Allen mixed in some scrambles and some runs. I didn't bother uh, detailing how many of each it was because he only threw the ball 25 times, so it wasn't a philosophical issue of balance on offense. You know, it was basically 50-50. They only ran 52 plays, according to the stat sheet. Uh, Green Bay had 61, so the Bills were just super efficient. You know, they came out, they scored, they got ahead, they played with the lead, and then they took their foot off the gas and essentially coasted the rest of the way. You know, Poyer sat when they were up comfortably, and Jaquan Johnson was in there helping out, so I'm happy. Could have been a little bit better in the second half, maybe kick another field goal and get me the cover at 11 points, but, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at it at all. And interestingly enough, this was one of those games where the tickets were super expensive, and I, I couldn't understand why, because I didn't view the Packers as good. I mean, I've been saying it even before the season started. I said the Packers are not going to be good. I think the Bills are going to roll them when this game comes along. And so I couldn't understand why the tickets were some of the most expensive. But like, if you want to see Aaron Rodgers before he retires, then I totally get that. Um, I've been down on the Packers, though, for a long time. Uh, but this was the first year where I felt that they were going to take a legitimate step down. I just thought that the NFC was weak enough where they could still be a playoff team and still be a winner of that division. But that hasn't been the case. They've lost three in a row now, I think. They over there to start the season. They were two and one, maybe. So, yeah, it hasn't been good for them. But they did. They did show some positive signs if you're a Packers fan. But if you're a Packers fan, you're not going to listen to me. You probably hate me because all I do is talk about how I don't like Aaron Rodgers and don't like the Packers organization, but I don't think that's entirely accurate. Um, I just have never been a guy who's going to bet on Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, and as the Packers organization has failed to do certain things to 
you know, ensure the success of this team around this one guy. I have not been flattering about them. But in general, it's a small market team like Buffalo. And our fan bases probably have more in common than we have different. Uh, but it's the dude wearing number 12 that never really been a fan of. That doesn't mean he's not a good player. Doesn't mean he's not a great quarterback in the history of this league. Doesn't mean he's not going to go to the Hall of Fame. Just not my cup of tea. So I will uh, I'll let it go with that. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this, if you did. There's a lot of Bills Mafia stuff out there. Now that the Bills are popular again, it's popping. It's fun. So if you took the time to actually listen to this, thank you so much for your time. I do sincerely appreciate it because there's a there's a world of information out there. And if you want to listen to me talk about the Bills, it's much appreciated. So until next time, stay safe, be well, take care, everybody, and go Bills. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way too. This show is an extension of thescheist.com, and you can contact me at info at thescheist.com or at Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills!